Monday night, May 6th at the Hyatt Regency in San Francisco. You're invited to join athletes and celebs at the Bay Area Sports Hall of Fame Enshrinement Dinner. Be there to celebrate this year's class featuring Olympic swimmer Jenny Thompson, San Jose Earthquakes legend Chris Wondolowski, Niners Super Bowl hero John Taylor, Sharks icon Patrick Marlowe, and the architect of the Giants dynasty, Brian Sabian. Be a part of this star-studded evening benefiting Special Olympics Northern California. To purchase tickets, visit Bayshoff.org. That's B-A-S-H-O-F.org. Welcome to the Stanley Cup Playoff Report. Here are Dan Rusinowski and Drew Remenda. The week begins in the National Hockey League with an opportunity for a sweep. Drew Remenda in Saskatoon, what is the reaction to the fact that the Tampa Bay Lightning have an opportunity to sweep the Florida Panthers, the first place team? I think there's a little bit of surprise based on how difficult the first round was against the Toronto Maple Leafs for the Tampa Bay Lightning. But the last game, two games even, um, people are going, Tampa doing Tampa. Yeah, that's Tampa doing Tampa things. That's what they do. The interesting thing is to see how Andre Vasilevsky has regained his game. Wasn't great in round one, remember. Remember, he had like an 8.85 save percentage. Wasn't fantastic. Nikita Kucherov, his back to being one of the best players in the world. Stamkos, their big boys are getting a little bit of the, a little bit of the hunger, right? So it's, it's Tampa doing Tampa. <laughs> yeah, it happened in game three. And who else but Corey Perry to get things started? McDonough gives across Chernak. Back to McDonough, straight onto the blue line. Looks over. Kucherov, McDonough, one-timer, and they score. Corey Perry was right out in front. He may have gotten a piece of that. McDonough let it rip from the line. Tampa Bay strikes first. Well, that's where it all started. And how many times yep. have we seen Corey Perry getting in front of the net and making a play in a dirty area? How good is he? Hey, I, I, since he moved from Anaheim, my admiration for him has grown and my animosity towards him has, has diminished. But here's the other thing. He goes to the, I, I, if you look at the goals he scored so far in the playoffs and even this year, the puck has maybe traveled a total of 20 feet for all his goals combined. He just, as you said, gets the dirty area, but how good is Ryan McDonough? Oh, he's a great defenseman. Oh, and he's my a good goodness. leader. Yeah. And that, that entire defense, you know, they've really spent their money wisely. They got the Eric yeah. Chernock. I think he's a great player. Agreed. Uh, uh, Sergachev. It's incredible that they got him from the Montreal Canadians at all. And, yeah. and now he's just a huge part of their defense. Uh, they, they are just loaded back there. And, yeah. and I haven't even mentioned Victor Hedman yet, who's the, maybe the best player in the world at his position. Agreed. Agreed. I totally agreed on all, on all points. He's but, that's well put together that club, but Florida is well put together too. And they are really challenged right now. They fought back in this one. We get Doug Plagans on the call with Florida Panthers radio. Barkov now to Ekblad at the line, looks across, Huberto right circle, in front, it gets away from Ekblad, tracks it down here, the near boards out to Barkov to an open, Huberto right circle, walks in, pass in front, shot, they score! A power play goal, and it comes in a huge time! Sam Reinhardt has tied the game for the Panthers! But unfortunately, that was not going to be enough for the Florida Panthers, and it came down to the final seconds. Pass straight on for Lewostarin, and fans to their feet here at Amelie Arena. Bogosian holds up, Lewostarin far side of the ice, Hagel a clear, Maroon far side of the ice, 10 seconds to play, Verhage getting back, gives to Forsling, 
Forsling to center. He'll drive it down. Vasilevsky will play it. Shakes it aside for Bogosian. And he will hold it for the duration. That's it for this one. And that was it. Florida is down by this count of three games to nothing. How about this weirdness, Drew? The fact that they've got a back-to-back set of games yeah. between game three and game four in Tampa. What was uh, uh, somebody having a concert or something? It must be. I I, I didn't understand that one because it's not Emily Arena is not. It's busy, but it's not that busy with another team, of, like a basketball team in there or anything. Hey, what did you think of the Hagel hit? Uh, again, he got fined for it, right? Yeah, but so- that's that's the most. First off. It is how to paralyze a guy in one easy play. That's that's exactly the type of hit you're trying to get rid of. Brad Horning, who the the Regina Pats, WHL, years and years and years ago, and Brad just passed away. He got cross-checked in the back in the kind of the same situation and was paralyzed. And that is the reason that type of, as a guy's moving towards the boards, he's facing the boards, his feet are, are painted or his toes are 90 degrees at the boards and you cross check a guy in the back. That's the type of hit you want to get rid of the fact that they gave him five minutes, then they reviewed it and reduced it to two. And he only got a fine. It's mind boggling to me. Yeah. I'm pretty surprised. I mean, I'm not surprised he just got fined. They do that often in the playoffs and we're going to get to a couple of other hits in just a little bit that, uh, that kind of get the uh, comparative uh, similarities, but it's why they put a stop sign on youth hockey yeah. players on yeah. their back. I mean, th- but, but the other factor is, and this is something that's kind of a pet peeve for me. Why are they coaching players to do that? They didn't used to, you never used to turn your back to a player back yeah, in the day, but, yeah, that, but, but now they're uh, doing it to protect the puck there. Yeah, but he's on that particular play. He's he's you know going to the boards. Right, right. It's a different issue. It's a different you know, issue. But I know what you're talking about. When guys, um, who got cracked this in the playoffs just a couple games ago, and he's he's turning the got, wrong way. Turn the wrong way, and he turns to protect the puck, as you said. I don't know when that ever happened. We were always taught, and we always taught: get your shoulder up against the boards, take the shoulders, take the 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 hit on your on your shoulder facing up ice, absorb it into the boards and then bounce off and try to, but that's how you protected yourself. It, it, that kind of, the kind of hit that we saw by Hagel was ridiculous. And that's, that's just, that's the reason they put in the, the major penalty. That's the reason you kick guys out. That's the reason you just suspend guys, but Oh, I can't, but nowadays you're right. It's protect the puck. It's turning away or turning at the last second. I don't know why you'd ever do that. And I don't know why that we, you know me, I coached a long, long time and, and coached kids, uh, did hockey schools and things like that. First thing we taught them, first thing we ever taught them, don't face the boards ever. Get your, get your body turned, get your feet pointed north or south, um, up the boards or down the boards, but never directly at the boards and then be able to absorb the check. The one thing about teaching what we used to call contact confidence. We did it with the San Jose Sharks hockey schools years and years and years and years, which we all, we taught guys first off how to take a hit, how to take a check. We, we, we did bumping, bump, what we called the bumps along the boards uh, bumps with a partner bumps in open ice, 
but I don't know where it's, where it's gone wrong and trying to teach the guys to protect the puck by facing the boards. Yeah. I don't get that either. And, and I'm with you on the, on the Hegel hit, obviously, you know, I, you shouldn't be doing that sort of stuff, but I'm not surprised he was just fine. But if anything else happens again, or if there, if there were an injury, obviously uh, that, that was uh, knocking a guy out for the season or something like that, yeah. they're probably yeah. going to do something. And of course they shouldn't do that either. Uh, it should be on the, on the nature of the hit and, and whether or exactly. not it was legal or not, which yeah. again, we're going to get to a little bit later in the show yeah. because it happened a couple of times in the last couple of games is uh, hey, we could say that the, the heat is turning up a little bit on some of these clubs. So we're not surprised. Are we only the second round, but that's usually when it starts to go more and more games, the more and more you play each, each other, you start to get madder and madder and the, 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 the hate starts to grow to Madison square garden in New York. We go and Mika Zibanejad got things started for the Rangers. Zibanejad skates down on the left corner, turn out for Fox left point, skates right, beats Panarin. Left side, Zibanejad shoots, he scores! Mika Zibanejad, it's a power play goal! Rangers lead 1-0. Sam Rosen back on the radio for Madison Square Garden Radio Network. Great man and uh, giving us the call there. It was a big, big part of what the Rangers are doing. Power play opportunities, the skill of people like uh, Artemi Pranadin and and also Mika Zibanejad, but it was also this. Back the other way. Shot by Domi. Save. Rebound. Save. Loose puck. Played by the Rangers. Long shot by Smith. Save by Shesterkin. And he holds it. Whoa, oh, the net was wide open. But it didn't go in. Didn't go in. Nice little play there, right? To keep it out of the net. And Chris Kreider responded. Sabanachan drops it back to Kreider. Behind the Carolina net. Comes out from behind the net. Shoots. He scores! Chris Kreider makes it 2-0 Rangers. But the Hurricanes kept fighting and Shesterkin kept tending. Jarvis up ahead of Ajo. Ajo right circle. Cross high speed. Center to D'Angelo shoots. Glove save by Shesterkin and he holds it with 2.29 to go. That was a pretty big stop on Tony D'Angelo by Igor Shesterkin, who was outstanding in the game. And after the contest, Chris Kreider, who's scoring all kinds of goals for New York, talked about how he and his teammates need to be better in front of their goaltender. Yeah, I mean, I think it's something that we've we've talked a lot about is how how much confidence he instills in us, um, especially when he's making hard saves look easy. Uh, with that being said, we've still got to uh, keep the foot on the gas when we get up. Can't can't sit back and let them generate chances and let them tilt the ice. So um, I want to continue to forecheck and uh, make it easier on the D and make it easier for Igor if we do get that lead. So Carolina leads that series two games to one. Rangers finally get on the board, but look at the shots on gold, Drew. 44 for Carolina, 33 for New York. And what Chris Kreider said really makes a lot of sense. Yeah, Shesterkin was the was the reason. I mean, who's your favorite Russian, Danny? Teddy KGB? Yeah. yeah. He, he, hanging around, exactly. hanging around. Check, exactly. check, check. Exactly. And that's he, beat, his... he, he beat me straight up. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody does that better. Nobody does that better than you. But he, I, don't, I don't know. I think John Malkovich does it a little oh, bit better yeah, than I do. Yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm going to go with you on that one, even, <laughs> even with the award-winning actor. Um, Shesterkin was the player of the game yesterday. Um, no doubt about it. He was the number one reason that they were able to win that game, a game they desperately needed as Carolina was up to zip. Um, so, Kreider's right, though. You can't, you can't keep relying on the guy, but they've been saying that all year and he's an MVP candidate. So eh, 
I think maybe relying on the guys, the way things have gone for that team have gone pretty well. The interesting thing is too, Danny, how in the first round, Shesterkin has problems, yanked twice, but plays has has regained his his uh, form. He's been terrific. Yeah, he really has been. And of course, on the other side of the ice there, Carolina's been getting some good goaltending. I understand that Freddie Anderson is getting back to health, and who knows, we might see him before it's over. You might. I would think tomorrow's game would depend on, like, obviously how Antti Ranta has played, but Antti Ranta has been brilliant. He He's has been, been great. outstanding. And I, I love the way Carolina plays. I love their work ethic. I think that they just, they are a tough team to play against in whatever zone. You don't get a break. You commented on that when we were, when the Sharks were in Carolina this year in a very hard fought game that there was no drop off, I believe you said, from line to line. And I think that's really uh, the secret to their success. As I've said many, many times on this, uh, on this feature on this show, um, 20 Rod Brindabors, man. They really do emulate their coach. Here's the question in the other series. Are they going to be shaking hands after Monday's game number four, or will the Panthers extend? You know, me and my ability to predict things. That's why I asked you. <laughs> I know, <laughs> but I'm going to say uh, Tampa B in Tampa. The one thing that um, they haven't figured out Florida is how to beat this team. They did it during the regular season. Couldn't do it last year in the playoffs. And they were a very good team last year. So far, haven't been able to figure out this year in the playoffs. I think the fact that we have seen in the first round, lots of scoring, lots of scoring. We've seen in some other rounds, lots of scoring, lots of scoring. Florida has been able to outscore all their problems all year long, but away from the puck, there's no better team than the Tampa Bay Lightning. Plus their neutral zone coverage is the best in the oh, NHL. I, you, you can't, you can't do anything against this team. They respond so quickly too. And they've got all this depth that we thought that they lost some of this year, but apparently they haven't. And that's just a great management to get the players that they need. But if, if this series is over to in Monday, and if uh, the Florida Panthers are shaking hands with the Tampa Bay Lightning, uh, I'm, I'm thinking about something else. Yeah. I know what you're thinking about. Joe Thornton was not slated to play in game number four. He was skating with the extras in the morning. So the question is, will there be a last minute decision by Andrew Brunette to put him in? And uh, if he doesn't get in or if the series ends, is this it? I don't think he gets in. And yes, unfortunately, I think it's it. And if, if that is, that is a, the, an end not the way you want it to end, obviously, for Jumbo, but it is an end to a career that we were very privileged and honored to be able to call a lot of. We had 15 years of Joe Thornton in San Jose, and what we saw was a remarkable series of making other people better, of showing great leadership, of, of providing the work ethic that's needed to, to be a winning organization. And, you know, between Joe Thornton and Patrick Marlowe, that's what the Sharks had for two decades. And they continue to have as the tradition handed down first to Joe Pavelski and now to Logan Couture. And now Timo Meyer is, is, is becoming part of that. And we're seeing that continue as the Sharks rebuild to get back to the playoffs. So here's hoping that Florida kind of extends it just, yeah. just for that. And uh, if Joe Thornton does get in, that would be uh, certainly nice to see him on the ice instead of in the press box. But obviously that's a decision that the coaches have to make. You are listening to the Stanley Cup Playoff Report, and we will be back in just a moment on the San Jose Sharks Audio Network.
Phones, laptops, and tablets aren't just devices. They're the keys to connecting to your health. At Kaiser Permanente, you can connect faster with video visits and our easy-to-use app. Track your health with access to most lab results and health records. You can even make appointments, email doctors, and fill most prescriptions. Kaiser Permanente. Tomorrow's healthcare today. Learn more at kp.org slash thrive. Appointments as available and appropriate. Features available from Kaiser Permanente facilities. We continue now with the Sharks Playoff Report on the San Jose Sharks Audio Network. Round two, things are getting tense and bodies are starting to fly around the National (laughs) Hockey League. As we go to Colorado and St. Louis, no surprises there. In the first period in the most recent game, Samuel Girard's season came to an end on this play. So Barbashev puts the big hit on Samuel Girard. He has a fractured sternum, which is quite a serious injury. And after the game, head coach Jared Bednar talked about his view of it. I didn't love it seeing it live. Looking back on it, I mean, it's a heavy collision. Kind of comes around and he just catches him in a bad spot. But I didn't think the hit... um, I didn't. I thought it was a legal check, to be honest with you. Yeah, it kind of goes in on his head side, but he got a lot of body there. He just kind of he was turned the wrong way, and he went in awkward. And I mean, it was a heavy, heavy check. So um, unfortunate, but to be honest, I think it was it was a legal check. And of course, a little bit later in the game, then it became time for Nazim Kadri to get into the act with Jordan Binnington. Just now starting to get up after that collision. Obviously, some concerns. The players all surround their goaltender here. Well, obviously, that was a little collision that brought the uh, interest and certainly the attention at the end of the game. And in fact, Nazim Kadri was in a post game interview when this happened. I just tried to get my stick in there, and uh, you know, I'm not sure if we just threw a water bottle at me or not, but. Wow. <laughs> was that Bennington you're saying? Uh, I don't know. It's, it's possible. You have to ask him. <laughs> yeah, it's possible. You'll have to ask it was. him. <laughs> of course, it was him. Of course, that brought uh, a whole round of a bunch of things, including Craig Berube, the head coach, talking about losing Bennington and maybe staying away from it a little bit. Listen, I, not every call should be called. There's plays that are missed. It's, it's not an easy game to um, officiate all the time. Um, again, we moved on from it. I really don't want to talk about it anymore because it doesn't do anything to talk about it anymore. And focusing on that play and, and focusing on Kadri doesn't help our team. But he also did say something about uh, reputation, yeah. and that brought the uh, ire of Jared Bednar. Listen, reputation, it doesn't mean anything. It's either a legal play or it's not. You know, we've talked about this with Naz. And, and the way he's trying to change his reputation of making sure that he's playing through checks and plays legal or non-legal. And they're going for it, that D and 
now as they're both going for a loose puck sitting at the top of the crease, skating in there downhill, you know, as hard as they can go. And, and both guys go in there. It, it, he's They're both going after the puck the same way, and they collide before they go in. So it, again, unfortunate, same as... Same as Gerard for me. There's no, there's that. That's a legal play, and you know it's unfortunate, but it is what it is. Your thoughts on that, Drew? First off, I think Jared Bednar was being, well, very 100% reasonable and objective. I thought the Barbashev hit could have been boarding because it was a heavy check, and I think he hits him on the back of the sh- in the back more than he hits him on the shoulder. But I get anybody saying no, it wasn't. Yeah, that's I'm, I'm yeah. on the other side of that. I'm, yeah. I'm where Jared Bednar is. I thought it yeah. was a legal check, but it was close. Right. And he is 100% as Don Kaharski was former referee who's now on a TNT calling it a hockey play. Jared Bednar's right. Nazim Kadri's going for the puck. The puck is there. You heard Louis DeBrush talk about it. The commentator on that clip. He's the puck is there. There's a collision between the defenseman and Nazim Kadri into Bennington. Well, we go to the Battle of Alberta. Edmonton and Calgary. Gotta love it. Uh, of course, Evander Kane scoring a hat trick. Connor McDavid, uh, again, an unbelievable raise of level of his play. Yeah, I, I, I know that Leon Dreisaitl had four assists, but to me, the whole story of this series for the Edmontonians is Connor McDavid, Connor McDavid, and maybe a little Mike Smith. Connor McDavid in game two took the series over. In, in the first round, he was brilliant, but he has taken this series over. When the Flames got up to another lead in game two, Connor said, nope, here we go. And then he carried it on to game three yesterday. He was brilliant. Kane, three, go- three goals. As you mentioned, the natural hat trick, but it was all because of 97 and very little to do with 91. And then, of course, it was something else that happened, too. Oilers chip it in deep off the neutral zone draw. Zach Cassian wires the pass out of the reach of Ryan McLeod. And a clear down the middle of the ice, Lucic toward the Edmonton net. And he just clattered into Mike Smith. And this is going to explode. Lucic powered into Mike Smith. And the Oilers go right after Lucic. And there's a huge dog pile. And Brett Kulak and Brett Ritchie are now engaged. Lucic just smoked Mike Smith well, against the boards. There's no other way to describe it. He's going to get a match penalty for that. Well, he didn't get a match penalty. He got a game and misconduct, but uh, it's still a five-minute major for charging. <laughs> and, of course, I, I seem to remember this sort of brings back <laughs> memories of Brian Marchment versus Joe Newendike. I don't know why I'm remembering oh. that. But uh, here, here, is, here is Milan Lucic coming right in, barreling into him. And, uh, of course, Daryl Sutter had some things to say about that post game. They called it charging, correct? Can you imagine if Lutz did charge? What would have happened there? He actually, actually tried to slow it down a little bit, I think. Well, it is what it is. You know, it's a score and who it was. That's, that's what they call so. Well, there's another comment about reputation the other way for Daryl Sutter defending his player, Milan Lucic, but I think he's exactly right. Again. And, and and again, he did try to hold up. He did try to hold up, and Mike Smith propelled himself against the boards. Mike Smith sold it, and it, I, I want to say it's a dive, but Mitt, Luch definitely held up. And here's the other thing. You want to see Luch run over a goalie? 
go back when he's playing for the Boston Bruins and see what he does to Ryan Miller and tell me that the commentary from Jack Michaels and Bob Stoffer wasn't a, for who are the Edmonton broadcasters wasn't a tad bit exaggerated there. He just smoked Mike Smith. No, he didn't go back and look at Luch running over Miller. That's Milan Lucic rolling over a guy and steamrolling and flattening somebody. Smith sold this because he was trying to get the, the, the extra minutes and he got it. But unfortunately, um, it went wrong for him, too. Edmonton coach Jay Woodcroft made a comment about the hit when he was asked about it from media member Ryan Rishog postgame. Well, I think you saw what I saw, Ryan. And uh, I think last series I, I talked about um, the four jobs in hockey. Um, player, coach, manager, referee. My job's to coach. And... Um, let the referees do their thing. I don't believe in airing complaints about officiating in the media. He has been preparing for this for the better part of almost 20 years. And he has taken the Edmonton Oilers and in a very short time established them as a, a much better five on five defensive team, a much better uh, their um, team away from the puck playing the game more than just the one way of trying to rush and score goals. He's really made that team something else. But when you watch Jay talk to the referees during a game, when you listen to Jay post game, you understand why Todd McClellan brought him to San Jose with his first head coaching job and how important Jay Woodcroft has been um, to the coaches that he worked for and how now how important he is for the Edmonton owners. Jay is, I love that comment from Jay. I love the fact he wasn't airing any grievances because he doesn't believe in it. He's always in control. I, I, and, you know, I'm a big fan. I love Jay. He's a, he is a, I'm on team Woodcroft, let's say, and he's done a fantastic job. Well, let's put it this way. He, he was also not talking about all of the offense that McDavid and Dreisaitl and Evander Kane were providing. He was talking about something else post-game. We set out with a game plan to assert our game on the other team, just like we do every night. I mean, we, we got this first goal and we had a, a very good first period. Um, but for me, I think it's a, it's mindset. And when your best players are leading the way mindset-wise uh, and, and, and asserting our game plan on the other team, I think it bodes well for, for uh, our entire game. And even further than that, Woodcroft talked about the checking ability of guys wearing number 97, 29, and 91. I think Connor and Leon both uh, finished plus four. Um, you know, when our best uh, players are leading the way defensively and setting the tone for what's expected uh, for the full 200 feet of the rink, I think it makes us a better team. They're outskilling the Calgary Flames which they do have more skill, especially with top-end guys. But as Jay said, their mindset, their work ethic, their ability to play well off the puck, play smart, conscientious off the puck, is being uh, is really the reason that things are happening the way they are for right now for the Edmonton Oilers, and they're feeling very confident about this series. The interesting thing too, Danny, is going into uh, the last night's game, um, if, you, if you looked at the way that, we thought the goaltending was going to, was going to go, especially after game one, right? At game one, it was ridiculous uh, about the, how the, um, 
the goaltending was a save percentage of the goaltending and things like that. It was like, what is going on there? The, the combined save percentage was like seven, eight, five. I think we talked about last time, but here's going into last night's game, Jacob Markstrom, this season, regular season and playoffs versus the Oilers. Well, let's go first versus the rest of the NHL, two Oh seven goals against average nine, two, seven save percentage versus the Oilers this year. And in the playoffs, four, two, four goals against average eight, six, eight, save percentage not good enough not even close no that could be their downfall and interestingly enough we we were talking about daryl not pulling him and putting vladar in the previous game when he gave up a bunch of goals but he pulled him in this one and vladar got in there in the third period uh you wonder what what's going to happen here for the rest of the series yeah me too and i'm i'm thinking they might go with vladar they've got to do something danny because they can't go back with the same guys because it's not working two games straight it's not panic time, but is okay. We got to make some adjustment time. By the way, kudos on the Calgary side to Michael Stone, who doesn't get a lot of attention. He's really stepped in and done a good job for Calgary. Yeah, I like him. He's physical. He plays hard in front of the net. Um, he and Zach Cassian were having a conversation in the first period yesterday. Stone, I like his attitude. Stone is just smiling, but he gives back as hard as he gets. I agree with you. I think Michael Stone's a nice, I, I like their defense. I like good Branson. I like Zadorov. I like Stone. I think Rasmus Anderson is dynamite. He's excellent. That, oh my goodness. Is he a good defenseman? And it's been fun to watch, but the, the, the Edmonton Oilers, because of Connor McDavid and how he's pulled them, pulled them and pulled them into the battle. They're a different looking team now. That they are. And it's going to be interesting to see if uh, the Johnny Gaudreau line can raise its level offensively. Yep, they have to. The, the interesting thing is, do you want them going head to head against McDavid or do you want to separate them? What do you want to do? For me, I want to go best on best. That's what I think, too. Yeah. I want to say, OK. And Daryl usually does that. Most coaches will say, OK, here's your, here you go. Here's your challenge. And, and then you make your adjustments during the year. And, and Daryl said earlier i think it was in round one that the game is not where you can match much anymore because it's moving so fast and there's so many different variables going on he goes i'm not much into matching it's going to be interesting to see how that all transpires my prediction is that the lightning and the panthers are probably going to be shaking hands after four games i think the pick me uh game is going to be colorado st louis the next game out and uh, i'd have to say that uh that other than that the ranger carolina series the edmonton calgary series will be two two after four how's that for a prediction i'm uh, i'm with you pal and that's well, that makes it fun we will see what happens in the next couple of days and we will be back on friday with our next exciting version of the stanley cup playoff report you've been listening to the stanley cup playoff report this has been a presentation of the san jose sharks audio network